Hello and welcome to Interlink. Interlink is a podcast series and a part of official research platform Nickel and Dime of CNES OP General Global University. The podcast aims to hold nuanced conversations on the interdisciplinary nature of problems that are intriguing the world today. In many ways, intersectionality has become backbone of academic discourse. We cannot afford to take siloed approach to understand modern day problems. This podcast conversation is a part of our series on eroding the vulnerability. The series aims to explore different areas of vulnerabilities of women in Indian context and examine the role of non-governmental organizations in bridging the gap. This podcast is titled Domestic Violence in India. And to talk upon that, we have among us Dr. Farzana Khan, Head of Operations at My Choices Foundation. She has an amazing background of 13 years of working with various women and human rights organizations in India. Her field of expertise encompasses constitutional legal framework as well as international human rights mechanisms. Her professional and academic interests include gender, patriarchy, identity-based violence, and laws related to women and children. I am Kushi Anubhirabhiri, third-year undergraduate student in Economics and Political Science from St. Stephen's College. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Kushi. It's an honor to be here today. Starting off, could you please start off by giving us a brief overview of the situation of the problem that is domestic violence in India and the world? So I think um, yeah, to put the conversation in context, uh, uh, I would like to start uh, with this very fact that violence against women and girls is the most widespread human rights violence on earth by far. So what does it mean? Means one in three women globally experience either domestic violence or sexual assault. And that doesn't even include most forms of violence if we include other forms like sexual harassment, etc., or trafficking, human trafficking, it would probably by 99%. So it's, it's, it's always, you know, we all have someone close to us who is a survivor, if not ourselves. Sometimes we don't even know, don't even know that. So Globally, if I talk about globally, so different regions see higher rates of certain type of violence. Uh, it varies region to region, culture to culture, but definitely violence against women is a worldwide phenomenon. For example, in Somalia, if you see a very specific kind of violence against women, like 99% of girls live through female genital mutilations, or uh, some, you know, native Alaskan village, 99% of girls have been sexually assaulted. So it's, it's, it's everywhere. And coming to the Indian situation, India is considered the most dangerous place for women and girls to be born. As close to 40% married women go through some or the other form of domestic violence. And I'm talking about the reported violence and we know domestic violence is something which is not talked about it it is considered a private matter so imagine the unreported cases it is estimated that the 15 million women that are victims of sex traffic in india each year 
and 40% are adolescent and children some as young as 9 years old so this is how uh, the situation is currently in our country thank you yes. so much ma'am for giving that overview so ma'am can you please explain different forms and dimensions of domestic violence as you alluded to the fact that different forms of domestic violence is prevailing in different areas and regions yes uh, basically uh, our understanding about violence is uh, it is physical but uh, physical violence is only one form of uh, domestic violence uh, there are four types of violence that occurs uh, within our uh, four walls of the family so physical violence is one so it's not just a hitting or kicking or uh, punching but also th threatening or threatening uh, to harm somebody close to her so this is the one form the second form is economic violence so so economic violence also plays a huge role because uh, it's about withholding uh, the money not giving the household expenses not uh, giving not uh, you not allowing you to spend your own earned money so taking away your money uh, uh, snatching your istri dhan like women possess uh, the the jewelries and gifts from from their families and weddings and their own earned money so like economic violence and then we see lot of uh, emotional and verbal violence which happens uh, in domestic violence cases so like name calling putting you down torturing you threatening you for divorce and various forms like you know uh, not having a male child so all these becomes a part of you know your verbal and emotional abuse and then we see sexual violence so majority of the time people think there is a, a sexual violence happens outside the family but if you see the stats and domestic violence cases it's a very much prevalent within the family so it happens between a husband and wife it happens between other family members where sexual they are sexually abused or uh, their videos and photographs are used so various forms of sexual violence um, happens so these are basically a very you know deep uh, issues that uh, are happening at home in form of violence thank you so much ma'am for that as you said different kinds of violence exist in different countries uh, around the world and in india there is a specific kind of violence that exists um, in a household so can you please elaborate upon the groups that are impacted by this domestic violence and what are your observations as to how it is impacting different kinds of people in our country so i think uh, uh, domestic violence is one form of violence against women most widespread but least recognized as i said home is considered a safe place for anyone and if anything is happening within the four walls of the family it is considered a private matter and you are not supposed to talk about it outside because it will bring shame and uh, you know uh, dishonor to the family so it's a most widespread but least recognized <clears throat> 
and uh, during uh, in our experience uh, what what groups are most impacted so it is a biggest myth around domestic violence that uh, uh, it happens to poor uh, poor people illiterate people rural population uh, yes they are more vulnerable because you talked about vulnerabilities so certain kind of vulnerabilities are definitely there but domestic violence is one form of violence and abuse which is across in all strata of society in all cultures in all caste class it 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 encompasses all uh, so uh, it's not uh, just a poor people problem or illiterate problem uh, we have dealt cases from the uh, from the very affluent families where women is earning lakhs maybe per month but is still facing domestic violence so all the women across facing domestic violence but certain kind of identities increase their vulnerabilities like you know illiteracy or poverty or uh, their specific uh, any groups yes khushi i hope i answered your question yes ma'am and you said that uh, there are different kinds of people like even working women even women who are like educated women who are poor women who are marginalized who are belonging to upper caste doesn't matter but it is something that is universal factor in dysfunctional households where women are facing violence so can you please elaborate uh, about what do you think is the root cause of the problem and why is it still prevalent in india because it was a conception that you know if educated women are there they can stand up for themselves and they can you know they are more educated about their own rights but what is the root cause that connects every instance of domestic violence why is it still prevalent yeah i think that's a very good question kushi because often we think about this and people ask also why it is still so much prevalent so to answer your question i i want to say uh, the what united nation declaration on the elimination of violence against women says it describes that violence against women as a manifestation of historically unequal power relationship between men and women in other words inequality between men and women significantly contributes to the occurrence of violence specifically domestic violence it is a direct outcome of power and control in majority of the cases we see that males are the perpetrators of violence and women and children are victims then why so if we go to root cause it it is the understanding about the system which we are governed especially our families is a patriarchal system and in patriarchal system women are considered less compared to men and it believes that men should have the power and control over women and children and they must follow them so you see in our household in our daily to daily lives how the decisions are made who will inherit the after father even we have a property rights women got the property right after long battle but still uh, automatically i mean there is no you know question or doubt about that ki how 
everything's very smoothly transferred from father to son and daughters are not considered so is is the root cause is the inequality and when you consider somebody unequal less valued then definitely there will be discrimination and these discriminations basically lead to uh, violence and abuse and uh, our families are most patriarchal i must say institutions can be patriarchal market media all these places can be uh, you know uh, patriarchal and they are patriarchal still but families can be very patriarchal very rigid about the codes and conducts and uh, cultural practices beliefs at that that cycle continues because and the other reason if a a a child grows in an atmosphere where he sees is a is a normal like you know the so the normalization of the the violence and abuse and discrimination believes makes him believe that it's okay and this is the way of life and the girl child see when she is observing that she is observing that my mother how mother is my doing how how other women in the family are doing then she she inherit those she, uh, she she learned to be submissive she learned to be is okay to be violated i always need a father a brother a son in my life to protect me so it 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 passes to generations to generation and that's why it's very difficult to to address these so it is very interesting as what you said that it is the patriarchal system that um, you know perpetrates that violence and also it is the patriarchal system that can you know considering that notion that oh men and you know men in the family are the ones who protect while they are the also uh, also the ones who violate so given this entrenched nature since we like realize the nature of the root cause and it is pretty entrenched it is something that all pervasive and something that's prevalent in our mentalities even subconsciously even if we might be educated about these things so i am interested in now knowing how your organization you know tries to navigate it because i think uh, there are two aspect of this problem number one is you know the 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 awareness because if we do not break the uh, the the idea like you know how how this whole problem is routed through patriarchy so if we are not conscious or aware at that level so no matter how many laws or reforms you bring in it will not help so the first and foremost as organization we believe in creating mass awareness about this issue and also educating the communities educating individuals about violence and abuse and how how it affects every aspect of their life it is not about women it is about a human being it about all of us because if women is suffering uh, from violence and abuse then uh, as a citizen her rights are taken away she she is not considered as equal citizen and she will not be able to contribute fully to her uh, full potential so it is it is it is destroying okay so that that the number one so we actually uh, we we adopted four pillar approach in our organization and we started when we started in 2012 
the most critical uh, question that we uh, and the concerns that uh, we were having that how we are going to talk about when it's a taboo when it's a so so entrenched in our life and then we develop some community models which is called peacemaker model and we emphasize a lot on prevention so we have a prevention we have intervention and then we provide professional counseling to her so that she can overcome she can be empowered uh, family can be empowered it's not about women it's about addressing with the perpetrator most often perpetrators are male member of the family so working with them also so we do counseling we try to understand them the the importance of healthy relationship the Uh, the abuse and violence that they are perpetuating knowingly unknowingly sometimes unknowingly also because very interestingly many many men broke in our session and they said i was not even aware that what i am doing is uh, domestic violence because i grew up seeing uh, as normal as a routine so so the counseling sessions are very intense and majority of the time we are able to make them understand but in some cases where difficulties arises and and violence and abuse is so uh, much then we take legal support we provide legal support also we have te- legal team and then we have a short stay home because many a times women are thrown out of their house and then where they will go they uh, they do not raise their voices because they have no place to go so we provide a short stay also for the women and their children so these are at the part of our intention uh, intervention strategy and then we have prevention and for prevention we go really deeper in the communities with the individuals college schools communities uh, we try to educate uh, with different programs and then we have uh, we have another approach where we consider men as allies because if you see majority of the work that uh, uh, we are doing with women uh intentionally in intentionally in women empowerment work men are excluded so if you do if they are part of problem and you you are not going to make them part of solution how you are going to make an impact so that's why we developed this strategy through uh, dealing with these cases we have dealt over 14000 uh, cases uh, of domestic violence with our organization and those experiences help us to design the program for men too boys too and we interact with them we see them as allies who can also liberate themselves because violence and abuse is affecting them as well so these are different approach and you know strategies and then we partnered with police also we do you know, partnerships we are across 10 states Uh, our domestic violence program in five state and our uh, the another program that my choices foundation does is working with the uh, prevention of sex trafficking with that program we are in 10 states so lot of grassroots partnerships we uh, we are seeing in this because the the issue is huge and you you really need an army to tackle this maniac So at this point, I'm interested in knowing about how your approach towards awareness and prevention 
changes when you're talking to women and men? Like, what are the points that you address when you talk to women? Because obviously there needs to be a difference because one of the sides is the side of perpetrator who is like, or to be perpetrator if they go on to do domestic violence and the other side is victim or survivor. So uh, how do your navigation, or sorry, how do, does your organization navigate that? Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that, that is, so the strategy, definitely the strategy changes, uh, the messaging changes, and uh, uh, so, so I, I always, my, my founder always give this example, that uh, if there, there is some virus, for example, like polio, right? So everybody wants to eradicate polio, because polio is bad, or any disease or virus, everybody wants to cure uh, it and want to eradicate it but but domestic violence or violence against women is something that uh, not necessarily everyone wants to eradicate because they see this as a power and control okay so many a times when we go to uh, talk to men's group and engage it with boys they feel that i am privileged one why i need to leave my privileges and come down and see what you are facing so so general i understood your question that how how to kind of you know give them the picture hey, uh, the privileges that they are you know proud of are actually harming how much doing harm to them because maybe i am abusing someone else's daughter or you know someone but what about my own family what about my own sister what about my own daughter what about my own mother from that that is the one angle because it's not about somebody else it's about us number two uh, because this uh, violence and abuse is breeding a culture of violence and abuse it breeds and it grows and uh, toxic so we 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 give the perspective of toxic masculinity how toxic masculinity is harming our boys and men how it is taking away their their uh, you know natural uh, inbuilt emotions of love and care and nurturing so this macho man culture uh, and uh, the influence of media and all these things this patriarchal system is actually harming our men and boys and it is affecting all their lives. Uh, we the other day we we were discussing how why the suicide rate is so high in men compared to women because they are not allowed to emotionally express themselves. So it's about liberating them. It's about connecting them with their own goodness because uh, you can always. Uh, consider somebody role model who is loving, caring, nurturing. You will never have somebody ro as role model who is ma just a macho man, control, you know, do domination. Will you have that? So, no. So, how this is not a war between sexes. It is a cooperation, love, affection that actually builds families and the nations can progress. So, we approach from that angle, like, you know, how this toxic masculinity is harming you uh, making you violent so this violence is not a contained home itself it goes on the roads uh, it is so they become murderer rapist alcoholism drug abuse 
रोड रेज केसेस इफ यू सी सो दिस टॉक्सिक मस्कुलरिटी इज गोइंग ऑन राइट एंड वी सी वॉर्स वी सी all these harmful practices so from that angle when we approach boys especially and they 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 feel that uh, what they feel natural or okay actually leading uh, to disasters leading to uh, criminality so uh, that's the that's the approach that we uh, we adopt with boys and we take them as allies ki how you can be a role model to your family to your peer to your community and then with women definitely the more efforts are being done empowering and saying them that they you are valued and you the building their broken self esteem so giving them the hope and courage to stand up to speak up to plan for themselves it is not crying to think about yourself safety of your children because children are worst affected in domestic violence it 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 takes away so there is another point of view that we drive due working with couple also like you know how this domestic violence and abuse is impacting your child's life so uh, for women we sometime when it is not uh, ir- irreversible damage is happen then we we give them the sense like you know uh, save your child's life because in abusive and violent homes they will not becoming a good citizen or person it impacts their entire life so these are the some strategies and ways that we try to uh, to, to make them understand um moving on um so we know that pandemic has been a very specific and unique situation in this situation women were confined to their houses one of the main stays of violence and uh, since our focus is domestic violence it is not surprising that we saw a lot of instances of domestic violence com- coming up in the during the pandemic period and as you said it involved various kinds of domestic violence so how has your organization worked towards you know uh, eradicating and addressing this form of domestic violence or like this instance of domestic violence that happened during pandemic when women were confined to their home uh, restricted to take care of their children as well as work at the same time if they are working professionals and uh, the whole burden of family falls on them exclusively so how has my choice foundation tried to address that during this period yes khushi you are right because uh, during pandemic we saw pandemic within pandemic and uh, domestic violence is called a shadow pandemic also and within uh, one week of the lockdown that is from march 23 2020 to april 1 2022 national commission for women recorded a 100% rise in the cases of domestic violence and uh, so when every everything was shut down and women has no place to go they are confined uh, as you said within their uh, homes with perpetrators it was very difficult to, to to help them and it is not a my choices uh, uh, experience uh, we did we, t- uh, we took a part in a global research across four regions in the world and uh, our experiences were same 
to absolute collapse of you know institutional support so what what a unique we did during this pandemic to help the women who are confined number one we never stopped working so because my choices is one of the organization which use technology intensively we have data of all of our clients in one click from anywhere uh, we can uh, access to their information uh, within the team the counselors basically because counselor have due to confidentiality they have the access to the the profile of the victims and data so immediately what we did we actually shifted everything online and we started out calling of these women just checking in how they are so these are already the who approached us so we know them so we started connecting them and giving them this assurance that we are working so they are not alone and and started counseling them talking to their husbands and you know whoever is the perpetrator so this this we try to uh, you know con- to take you know the the, the situation should not go worst at their end so number one we started counseling online number two what we did khushi uh, because we have a presence in the community we have community agents whom we called peacemakers so these are local community women and we very strategically picked these women as a as a as a peacemakers to work with us so they are uh, giving a few hours per day to us so they they someone who are in health professions like ashas like anganwadi so these are typical profile of our peacemakers and they were at great help because all the time they were connected they were in the community so they started uh, making uh, forming the whatsapp groups of community women because whenever we do prevention program we take leaders number or some women's number and then through those women we trying to connect and on whatsapp we did amazing like you know spreading the message of child safety domestic violence and how they can connect and we started a national helpline also uh, during that period and we started con- we started connecting with school children through their school groups so we approached teachers and principal whom we already had the relationship and they allowed us to uh, uh, provide the platform where we can take these sessions with them so we 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 were all the time connected uh, with the community with the women and also because that was very stressful time and uh, uh, when there is a there is a situation of life and death you cannot talk about domestic violence right so we we also try to help them with health services so we we know many organizations who are providing healthcare so we started uh, verify we started giving verified informations connections so that they can reach out for oxygen for bed availability and then we distributed a lot ration kits essential kits uh, and we connected to those organizations who are predominantly in this welfare work so this is the this is the various ways we try to be Uh, in connection with the community with the women with the children so that we can reduce the vulnerability and incidences of violence and many women really shared that uh, we we never also shut down our shelter home because many shelter homes were you know closed because the the spread of the the virus but we opened it up with all the precautions so there should be one place at least where they can reach so uh, the and the, the community the women really 
appreciated the way we worked during pandemic uh, but uh, many lessons we uh, we learned during that and it reiterated that how our effort should be redirected to protecting our women our children and educate everybody the government need to understand that the every catastrophe whether it's a natural or man made has a, a feminine face so women are the one who will always be you know afraid to bear the cost so so our policies and program must be uh, must keep that point in mind okay thank you so much ma'am for giving an overview of um, you know the pandemic situation and how your organization tried to handle it um, you know through awareness through networking and you know existing uh, using the existing channels of networking in order to create a space in online media to address the problem because pandemic also requires special measures um So thank you so much, ma'am, for joining us for the podcast. And it has been really nice to talk to you and the insights you provided about the forms of domestic violence, the approach of your organization towards domestic violence, and most importantly, recognizing how patriarchal uh, system is something that contributes to it, and how men and women both are its victims, and how your organization tries to engage with them in a way that. makes both of them feel more empowered towards the end of the day is something that i suggest as a lesson that we could take so thank you so much ma'am for joining us again thank you thank you so much khushi for having me and it's it's, it's really uh, nice to see that uh, how together we can make a difference